Happy Father's Day to all of the guys in the house that are fathers. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm one of you. I'm a fellow struggler. Come on, can I get an amen on that? And, and what I love about you guys is I get to follow so many of you on social media. I know a lot of you as well. And I see you interacting with your kids here um, at their sporting events. And I see you cheering them on. I see you celebrating them. I see you having the tough conversations. And I just want to say right on to all of you guys. You're doing fantastic work. And so one more time, everybody, give a big hand to our dads in the room today. Uh, we are in a series called My Big Fat Mouth, as you just saw that. And what we've been saying all along is that a big fat mouth can get me in a lot of trouble. And um, the first week we asked those of you who've ever had your big fat mouth get you in trouble to raise your hands. And it was like 100% participation. That's never happened in the history of our church. So we're, uh, we're, really, um, we're really happy that you've all screwed up like that. So um, anyways... Um, what we've been really talking about, though, is the power of our words, um, the power of our words to give life, the power of our words to bring hope, the power of our words to bring healing, and, and conversely, the, the power of our words to tear down and harm. Our, our key text is found in the, in, in the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be reading from the book of Proverbs all day today. Proverbs 21, 23 says that those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from what? Calamity. And we all know that that's true. And what's even more true about that is it's, it's just not about you keeping yourself from calamity. But if you're a dad, if you're a husband, um, if you're a wife, a mother, whatever, we, we keep um, our kids from calamity. Because a lot of times our own big fat mouths have gotten us in a bind, but they've gotten our families in a bind as well. And we know that that's um, true as well. And, and then last week, Pastor Andy taught. Um, an amazing message from Proverbs 18:21, and we're going to take it on again. It says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I love the way that Eugene Peterson paraphrases it in his book, The Message. He says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit, and then you choose. You choose. I was thinking about this verse this week because um, Pastor Andy talked about the, the, the part that says words um, kill last week. And I'm going to talk about the power of the words that give life. But I was thinking about this, this verse this week. And, and I was thinking about how fundamentally we can break these, our, our words down to th sort of three categories. They're, 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 either, they're, they're either medicine, they heal, they help, they, they lift up. Or they're weapons, they, they harm, they pierce, they, they tear up things. And, and, and Solomon is super graphic when he writes about the power of our words to harm. He uses words like axes and arrows and spears. But the, the third thing is that they, they're often tools that, that are used to build up and to, um, to construct and not destruct. So they're, they're either medicine or they are weapons or they are tools. And Solomon says... You choose. You get to choose um, the way that your words will, will work. And um, so I, I want to talk about that second part of this, that the, that the, the tongue has the power of life. You know, um, all day, every day, in thousands of quiet, ordinary, unseeing, unheroic-looking ways, we speak words. We'll do it as we leave here today. You're going to have conversations on your way home with your kids or with your spouse or your friend. And, and our words, when we leave here today, we remember our words carry either a little life or they carry a little death. 
And we get to choose that. And Solomon said that words give life, that they are life-giving. And so I want to talk about that today. But before I do, I want to pray because I really feel a weight around this message. And usually Father's Day, um, I'm kind of dumb. I'm, I'm usually kind of dumb. I'll probably be dumb today, but um, I don't mean to be dumb. I'm, I, want to be, I want to be a little bit more serious than usual um, because I feel a real weight around this um, because I've been impacted by this for better and for worse. And so... I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us today. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you um, for this moment to spend with dads and to just have a conversation with dads. Um, and, and really for everyone, it's not just for dads, but we're, we're, we're leaning into the dads today, God. And I just pray that we would be reminded of how words have impacted our own lives when we were children um, as adults and all throughout our lives that we would be careful um, to not let our big fat mouths create calamity, but to create healing and help and hope. And I just pray that your spirit would open our hearts today to receive the word of the Lord, that we would not sort of push against it, but that we would just say, if that's me, Lord, I, I want to I help. I want to get, get help around that. I want to I fix that in my life. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. So here's the question. What, what will come out of your mouth today? Death or life? Healing, help, hope, or hurt? Uh, sword thrusts or healing? And what we've been saying and maintaining throughout this series is that it will all depend on what's going on inside your own heart, the condition of your own heart. That's just true, isn't it? Jesus says in Luke's gospel, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Meaning that the words that come out of our mouths are merely a reflection of what's going on in our hearts so that if I'm hurt or if I'm broken or if I'm, if I'm not doing well, then a lot of times the words that come out of my mouth will reflect that and there will be harm caused to them, other people. Uh, and what it means then when Jesus says this is that a critical heart produces a critical tongue. Yes, right? A, a self-righteous heart um, produces a judgmental tongue. A, a bitter heart per, produces an uh, acerbic tongue. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling tongue. But a loving heart, because remember, words are life or death. Uh, they're, they're like a sword, Solomon says in another place, but they're double-edged. On one side, it brings death. On the other side, it brings life. But a loving heart produces a gracious tongue. A, a faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. A peaceful heart produces a, a reconciling tongue. A, a trusting heart produces an encouraging tongue. But it all boils down to what's going on inside of our hearts. And, and I've talked this about this before. I've taught this in many situations, in many sermons, in different scenarios, even when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one talks with people, <clears throat> is that there is what I'd call an emotional silo, uh, a bucket, you know, a, a tank inside of you. Let's use the word silo for today's purposes. It, it's a container of sorts and it, it, it happens inside everybody from the manliest man to the girliest girl. Like we've all got one of these things. And, and as a matter of fact, if you have your life point notes, I drew a picture of what that could look like. And, and, and there's an exercise that you could do there um, if you wanted to about what fills the tank and what sort of empties the tank. Um, but this tank, this, this silo needs to say a sort of at a healthy level 
um, if you will, to keep us functioning well relationally and in all sorts of dynamics of life. And, and there are certain things in life that frankly fill the tank. Like, and it's different for everybody. For some of you, reading fills your tank or going out on a walk fills your tank or going on vacation or spending time with loved ones. All those things fill up the tank. And then there are things that drain the tank, like, like Calabra Road. Come on, everybody. If you drive down Calabra, it drains my tank, man. I will drive all the way out to 211 and go out through the woods to just avoid Calabra right now because it drains my tank, man. Like, like, why didn't they just, I know that they've got a smooth part of the road now. If you're new, if you're driving down Calabria, if you're not, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But some of you drive down Calabria, you know what I'm saying? They open up the new part, but the other part was new like six months ago. But the whole time it was new, it was bad, man. It was old and there was bumps. And now you got to fix that. Fix it right the first time. If you're, if you're a road guy, just help a brother out, you know, help me understand. That's my problem, not yours, right? But, but, but life has a way of just, draining the tank. And, and here's the truth about that. Let me tell you something. The reason that good people do damaging stuff to themselves and to other people, it's, it's not always the case, but it's often the case, is because their silo, their tank gets too low and they end up operating in an internal crisis mode. Like alarm bells should be going off. You're not good. You're not healthy. You're, you're in trouble but they lack self-awareness a lot of times. And so they operate out of an internal crisis mode. And in an effort to sort of fix what's wrong, they, people cheat on spouses and they get hooked on pornography and gambling and alcohol and drugs and other stuff. And there are ministry leaders and there are political figures who've fallen hard because of this very dynamic. It explains why good people do bad things, this dynamic. And it's also true it's also true that oftentimes the words that come out of our mouth that are harmful, that are hurting, that are tearing down, come out of our mouths because the tank, the silo is low. It's too low. It's too low. Now, I bring all of this up today because I can't think of a more important part of our role as husbands or our role as fathers than to make sure that our spouses or our kids' tanks stay at a healthy level. And on the flip side of that, um, those of you who aren't dads today, but your dad's here or your husband's here or he's out there and you got to talk to him later on, it's your job to help make sure that his is at a healthy level as well. And, and what I'm going to suggest today isn't complicated. It's not even hard. It might be convicting for some of us. So some of us might go, ouch, a little bit, but just hang in there. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. But the tank gets filled in all kinds of ways through daily acts of servanthood. So what if we, knowing that our spouses or our kids' tank is there and that it is constantly draining, because the truth about it is it's not always being filled up, but it is always draining. It's always draining. What if we made a concerted effort to use our words as a way of filling up their tanks? What if we actually prayed, God, would you speak through me to my wife or to my kids or to my husband or to whomever in a way that they would be renewed in a way? Silo. Think about that image of a silo, full or empty or, or, or in a healthy level. Now, I, I use the word silo today because I, as I was thinking through this this week, as I was writing this, I started on Monday and finished it on Wednesday. I never finished it on Wednesday, but I finished it on Wednesday this week. It was amazing, and I felt great all week because of it. It was like, whoo, I'm done, you know. Um, the, the Bible tells us that we reap what we have, what? Sown. Right, like you don't even have to be a Bible person to know this is true. You can just be an agricultural person, right? You right? You reap what you sow. Our words are like seeds. I want you to picture this with me now. 
all throughout the day, we are sowing seeds. We are casting out seeds all throughout the day. And, and what we know about seeds is that they grow, but they grow, the Bible says, after their own kind. Again, you don't have to even believe the Bible. That's true, right? You put a kernel of corn in the ground and you get corn, you're not pumpkins. Like you're like, what happened, man? I, I wanted pumpkins. Well, you should have put pumpkin seeds in the ground and maybe you would have gotten a pumpkin, but you put a corn and corn comes out. Now, so if words are like seeds and we reap what we've sown, then we reap from our relationships with our kids, from, with our spouses, from our marriages, from our relationships, we reap what we have sown into them. Like we might have good intentions but we don't, good intentions are not what we reap. We reap what we actually sow into the ground. Not what we think, what we actually, what we actually do. We reap from our kids the words that have been spoken to them. We reap from them the words that have been spoken over them. Makes me a little uncomfortable, to be honest with you. But here's an addendum to the truth that we reap what we sow. Number one, we reap what we sow. We already know that. Number two, we reap more than we sow, right? We don't put a kernel of corn in the ground expecting to get one kernel in return. We expect to get a plant which produces ears of kernels, and we expect to get multiple ear, uh, ears in the, in, from the harvest. That's just right, right? So we don't just reap what we sow. We reap more than we sow. And thirdly, we reap long after we've sown, meaning... The harvest is delayed. Put a, a kernel of, of, of corn in the ground. You expect a harvest of more than you planted, but you expect it long after. And some of you are like, like I'm impatient. I want it to happen right now, right? So it's, it's important that you understand words are like seeds and you reap what you sow, but you reap more than you sow and you reap long after you sow. You with me so far? Three people, thank you very much. <laughs> so if words are like seeds... And then words we sow into our relationships will cause us to reap exactly what we've sown into them. Nothing different, but exactly what we've sown into. And if they come to harvest long after the time in which we've sown them, that means that there is a legacy to our words. That words shape worlds, what we've been saying that there's a long lasting effect to the words we speak to our kids when they're little that will create legacy for them as they grow, as they age. Words create legacy in our kids. They create legacy in our relationships. They create legacy in our spouses, in our own lives. Just meaning as we sow little by little throughout their lifetime for better or for worse over time, they are creating a legacy effect on the person that we're sowing them into. Meaning the words that we speak have legs that keep running long after we've said them. Words shape worlds. So that if we regularly sow angry words, condemning words, guilt-producing words, we will find that our children will produce feelings of hurt and condemnation and guilt and they feel criticized and unloved. And they may feel this way long into their adulthood because words are like seeds and seeds are planted and we reap what we sow and we reap more than we sow and we reap long after we've sown. You with me again so far? All because we reap what we sow. 
Words shape world because what do farmers do with the harvest? They put all of these seeds into a massive silo and they get rich if the silo is full or they operate from a poverty mindset if the silo is empty. Tracking with me. But again, thankfully, words are double-edged because while you may have sown some words of anger or guilt or criticism, you can change that and sow words of affirmation, encouragement, and hope and vision and, and, and speak life. If children grow up on words like, I'm so grateful that God trusted me with you. I am so grateful that I'm your dad. I am so amazed that I get to do life with you. You are a joy to our family. You are a gift to our family. You're gonna do great things. You are a champion. And if we sow that deeply into their soil of their lives, because words are like seeds, then there will be stored up in their heart, in their silo, in that tank, a deep confidence that they are loved, that they are respected, that they are appreciated, that they are called by God to accomplish great things for his kingdom, they have a legacy effect in a good sense of the word, words of life. So then, here's the final thought from that track that I thought of on Monday. When it comes to our kids and our loved ones, dads, you sow, they reap. You sow, See, you've always heard it said, you sow, you reap. But when you have influence on other people, as a dad, as a husband, you sow, they reap for better or for worse. Either way, like a seed that has been sown, you produce what has been sown by us. So it's hugely important then that we understand the concept and sow words of life. So I want to finish our time together by giving you three categories uh, of words of life. I'm not going to give you the specific words, but three categories of kinds of words of life. And then two phrases at the end that you must sow um, into the soil of your kids and your spouse. And it's not even hard stuff. And I'll, and I'll give you a, assignments to do that you can do easily. Number one is words of affirmation or words of, uh, of encouragement. That, the, that this has to be part of our language that we, that we are encouraging, that we are affirming, that we are building up. Um, because our words are either going to be medicine or they're going to be weapons or they're going to be tools. And you choose this. So Proverbs says, and Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, anxious hearts are very heavy. Isn't that true? When life is tough, when things are happening, anxious hearts are, are heavy. But a, but a word, but a word of encouragement does wonders. What a wise saying, what a wise maxim. Anxious hearts are heavy. Life is hard sometimes. Life is tough sometimes. But a word, one word of encouragement does wonders. I don't know um, about you. Probably most of you came into this room in good shape emotionally. You're strong. You're feeling awesome right now. Um, but, but, but if you're like me in any way, shape, or form, life sometimes is hard, man. And life uh, can just poke holes in your silo, in your tank. 
and it can drain out faster than even, than, than even normal. Like I love people. I live for people. I work for people. So I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but people, right? You, you, can't, you can't shoot them. You can't, what is the saying? You, you, you can't live with them. You can't shoot them or something like that. I don't know. Some people do. Some people shoot them, but that's, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. You may feel like it, but it's wrong, okay? Just don't do it. I mean, maybe like, maybe a paintball gun. That's fine. Pellet gun, if it's like a soft, airsoft gun, you know, right? right? But the, the very people that you try to serve, that you try to love, that you try to help can just sometimes crush the daylights out of you, frankly. You don't even know why sometimes except that people do dumb stuff. And I know this because I do dumb stuff. Come on, everybody. And don't leave me hanging up there, right? But, but, but it feels like people can just come along and poke all sorts of holes in you where it feels like all of the good in you can just empty out of the bucket, the silo. Some of you can relate to that. Not all of you can, but some of you. And some of you can relate, especially right now in the season that you're in right now. I, I don't care who you are. I don't care how successful you are, how emotionally balanced a person you are. Everybody has days and sometimes weeks or even months and years where it just feels like you don't know how much more you can do because of how much is draining out of you. It just knocks you around. Solomon says, anxious hearts are heavy. But one word of encouragement does wonders. He said in a couple of verses before this in chapter 12, he says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. That's true, isn't it? But, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words can be medicine. Words can be weapons, and words can be tools. The reckless or the grouchy or the didn't get enough sleep last night or the bucket, the silos running too low, those kind of words pierce like a sword. And man, I'm guilty. I Look at me. I'm guilty about this, that harsh words pierce, that they have a little death in them. But... The words of the wise brings healing. You know, you know the hope that I get from this verse is that even if, <clears throat> even if I've been the person who's pierced with a sword, I can, I can flip it. I can turn it around. I can change. I can make it. I, can I can't take the words back, but I can use wisdom and bring healing even in the places where I've caused harm. Listen to me even in the places where my words have created wounds, God can give me wisdom to speak words of healing, words of affirmation, words of, of, of encouragement. Anxious hearts are heavy, but one word can do wonders. He goes on in Proverbs 15, 4 and says that soothing tongue is a tree of life but a perverse tongue crushes, crushes the spirit. 
Do you remember the parable that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan? He talks about a man that was on his way down to Jericho and he was set upon, he was beat up by a bunch of dudes who robbed him and stole all his stuff. And the Samaritan comes by and he pours in the oil and the wine, both representations of the Holy Spirit, by the way, and how the Holy Spirit can use somebody to heal and to help and, and, and offer hope. And there was a medicinal quality, certainly, but these also was reflective of the power of, of words to heal and help. And, and, and the truth is, is that in our world today, man, people are discouraged and people are beat up and there are people lying al alongside the road because of how hard life can be. But one word, one spirit-led, spirit-driven word can bring healing and there are so many people in our world at your job and in your home and in your neighborhood who, who are just discouraged and in their need of a good word. They're starved to know that they're loved, that they matter, and a little kindness and a little compassion and a little love goes a long, a long way. I, I know personally that, that if you're familiar with the five love languages by Dr. Gary Chapman, my, my, my number one love language is words of affirmation, and I need that, man. And, and, and my wife knows that, and she's so good about making sure that she's filling up the bucket of affirmation for me. And, and, and I think it's true for most men, as I've had conversations, that most men, either number one or two is words of affirmation, that they just need somebody every now and then to say, man, right on, you're doing good, you're, you're strong, man, I love what you're, I love how you're, you're, I love the work you're doing as a dad, I love, I love the work you do, man, the, the work you do is important and it's powerful and it's potent. And, and I think that guys just need that. And, and listen, you, you say it, my wife gave me this this week, but you also have to show it, right? That, that words that are just thrown out and are cheesy and are not authentic and they're not backed up by actions, they lose their potency after a while, don't they? So you say it, but then you, you, you show it. So remember as you interact today, as you leave today, that the person at work, the person at, your, at the restaurant that you're gonna go to, that waitress or that waiter that you're frustrated with and you're thinking about speaking a word of death to her, Remember, remember, listen, remember her backstory that you don't know. You don't know that she's got a husband at home that's abusive. You don't know that she's struggling to pay the rent because she's a single mom and she's doing her best, but life is hard right now and it's hard for her to put on that face. You're like, well, that's her job. Well, you stink at your job sometimes too. Can I get a witness every minute? <laughs> but a word of life, but one word of life does wonders and a big tip. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Second type of word of life is words of appreciation. And this really breaks down just to two words. You ready? Thank you, right? Solomon says it's one word. So if you need to just say thank you, like that's just one word then, okay? It does wonders. And this is, you know, you know what's sad about the word thank you is it is one of the phrases that is first to go extinct in our family situations, isn't it? Think about it. When you first get married, you're like, thanks, babe. That was amazing. You made my lunch today, right? You were 18, I guess. I don't know, 14. I don't know the way I'm talking, right? <laughs> Yay, thanks, Dad. You know, I'm, I don't know. I don't know why I use that voice. It just came out. Give me a break, man. Speak a word of life back to a brother. Right? We, we, just, we just start to come to expect that the stuff that our parents do for us is their job that our spouses do for us is just part of the deal. Like I do this, you do that. And, and we get this transactional thing going on. And particularly for those of you who are stay-at-home moms. Like 
like your kids and your, your spouse can come home and start to think, well, that's what you do. That's your job. No, it isn't. They don't have to clean up after your stuff. They don't have to be all over there. They could be out working if they wanted to. They're smart. Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you are. Come on, somebody. I got your back, lady. They're resourceful. They're, I know it's not Mother's Day, but they're strong. And, and a lot of times we're just like, well, that's what you do. I go work and you work from home. They could be doing something besides messing with your underwear. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> moving right along, moving right along. Ladies, y'all can thank me later on. My PayPal account is Daniel Troy. <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. Anyways, um, but, but, but how tragic sometimes when even in friendships and even in families, even in a marriage and hours and days and weeks and months and sometimes years go by and the only time we hear an authentic thank you is from strangers that are selling us stuff, right? The assignment for you here today is just to find a person in your world, in your life, and express sincere appreciation and admiration sometime this week, saying thanks for the little things. It's a word of life. And Proverbs 15.30 says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. And as it turns out, this is literally true, that there's a physical component that happens in people's lives when they feel appreciated, their health can improve. When they feel devalued and underappreciated, their, how, their health can go down. It's actually proven that our bodies respond better or for worse to the words that we hear. And it's not just about sound waves. It's about words. And the Bible commands us to cultivate a grateful heart. Be thankful always, Paul says. So I'll give you an exercise for this one. Write down one quality that you admire in your spouse or your friends or your kids. And give one concrete illustration of how that plays out for you. Like you could say, Man, I think you're a great mom. Like I remember, I, I saw you this week when you interacted with our kids and how amazing it is how you did that, how you helped them, how you did that. Like one concrete thing, and you just do that this week. Maybe you write it down. Maybe you shoot an email or a text, or maybe you just say it to their face, however it works for you, your dynamic. But you just say, thank you, a word of appreciation. Proverbs 15, 23, a man has joy in an apt answer. And how delightful is a timely word. And your timely word this week might be, Thank you for what you do. Thank you for the dad that you are. Thank you for the spouse that you are. Whatever the words are, say it. Lastly, the last category of words of life is words of vision. Words of vision. And this is Father's Day, and so I'm going to really lean into us right now, fellas, myself included. Nobody's casting stones. I'm not saying I'm next level on this because I am not. But I know that this one, this one, is huge. Words shape worlds. I made a case for it. I hope that you bought into it. We've been saying this all series long. And when a dad, or, or, or if you're a single mom, I think you have the same kind of potency. I think this is true for you as well. But when you consistently speak, and, and moms, you, do, you need to do this too. But when you consistently speak vision to and over your kids, your words have the power to shape their worlds. When you say, man, son, this is what I see in you. This is what I think you're capable of. I believe in you. You, you can do anything you, you set your mind to. You can be anything that you want to be. When you speak those words, when you sow those seeds into their lives, it's going to bring a harvest. This couple of weeks ago, I was driving my girls to school, and, and we had a long time in the car because the traffic was so bad. And, and I just decided that I was going to sow into them. And I was just telling them, hey, ladies, listen to me. 
You are valuable, no matter, no matter what this world says about you. And I know that there's a, there's a, a women empowerment movement going on, and there's some of it's really healthy and helpful, and some of it I don't know about, but that's not my business. I'm a man, what do I know, right? But, but I was telling them, listen, you don't, you don't need to ever let being a woman be a liability to you in any way. I don't care what this world says. I don't care what any man ever says to you. You're strong and you are powerful and you are potent and you can, you can be anything. And you, don't, you don't even need a dude to tell you. Like, don't, don't rely on it. Like, get married someday. I hope you'll get married someday. But in the meantime, guys are not what gives you value in life. You are valuable because God says you're valuable. You are valuable because you're a child of God and because you're Danny Rivers' daughter, man. That's why, come on. And, and, and I was doing that. You can be anything you want to be. And I was, I was doing, I was sowing those seeds and I was speaking this vision into their lives. And, and I'm only telling you that not to pin flowers on me, but I'm telling you, I, I think it's, I think it's going to take. One of them wrote a, a letter to me um, yesterday and said, hey, they're taken. The words are taken. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord, you know, and, and it was, and it was good. But I, 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 what I want them, what I want you to hear is that you can say you're a champion and God has a plan for your life. And, and, and God has a, has a vision for your life. And I want to help you see that come to pass. And you can read Jeremiah 29, 11, where Jeremiah says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and, and, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And you can tell them, listen, this is a word for you. This is a timely word for you. God has a plan for your life. And I want them, I want my girls to believe this to the core of their being. You, you can do this. There's nothing that you can't do because God not only has your back, but he's also out in front of you. He's so amazing that he can be behind you and in front of you, leading and guiding and paving the way. And so you say this, I see big things in you. I see greatness in you. And honestly, you may have to say these as words of faith. Can I get an amen? Like these are words of faith because I can't see it right now. But listen, God can do something. And, and you may have to say it in faith, but you keep sowing those seeds and that silo is getting filled. It's getting filled. It's getting filled. Now, I don't mean that you say this in a confining or a controlling way where you're trying to shape them into your image, where you're crushing their own dreams to suit yours because something's missing from your childhood and now you're trying to make up for it in your kids by living vicariously through them. That is not what I'm saying. God has an image for their life. God has a plan for your life. And your job is to breathe on that, to speak that out. Because Ephesians 4.29, again, we read it last week. Paul says, don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. But look, but look at this. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their, their needs. Listen, I'm, what, I'm, what Paul's saying is it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about you going, hey, man, I, I was missing this from my childhood, so I want to make it up for it in you. I'm gonna, I want to shape you in my image. It's not about you. It's about them. He says, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Words are medicine or they're weapons or they're tools, Paul says, for building up not in our image, not according to what's missing from our lives, but what's according to their needs, that it may benefit them. It's not about us. It's about them and trusting that God has a plan for their lives. And your job and my job as a dad is to speak life and to sow seeds of vision. You can do it. And remember, we reap 
what we sow. And we remember we reap more than we sow. And remember, we reap long after we sow. And remember, we sow, but they reap. I've told you this before, but I had a teacher in the third grade that changed my life. Her name was Ms. Ennett. I had two teachers. I referenced one of them uh, a couple of weeks ago, the one that stabbed me. I talked to her this, this past week. And, and, and I was ch- chatting with her about that. And I said, hey, uh, I, t- I, t- I talked about you on a couple of weeks ago. And she's like, well, I hope you said something good. I said, well, I told him you stabbed me. And she goes, yeah, I, said, I told him you stabbed me in the leg. She goes, no, no, I stabbed you in the arm. I, and I was like, no, no, you stabbed me in the leg. I would remember. But she actually remembered that she stabbed me. And she was like, yeah, yeah, no, I stabbed you in the arm though. Anyways, you say potato, I say potato. You know what I'm saying? But and anyways, I just told her how much I appreciate her. But she and, and, this, and this teacher, Ms. Ennett, they changed my life. And, and Ms. Ennett, when, when I was third grade at Adams Hill Elementary, I would walk in the classroom and, all the, and she would do this to all the kids. She would pat us on the head. You're gonna do great. You're gonna be somebody. You can do anything you wanna do. Danny, you're a champion. And over the course of the year, I started to believe Ms. Ennett. She, she was filling up my tank, filling up my silo with sowing these words of life. And she, she would read to us. And she wouldn't just read to us children, third grade level books. She would read to us novels. This novel was Watership, Watership Down. I don't know if you've ever read Watership Down. But man, that book changed my life and gave me a love for reading. Like I read like a single librarian with cats. Like, like, like that's how I roll. Because of, because of Ms. Ennett. She put that into me. And her words that she sowed into me on a regular basis, listen to me, I'm 46 years old, are still being harvested by me to this day. She sowed, I'm reaping all these years later because words are like seeds and they, and they, and they, and they, get, they get harvested long after they're sown. And I'm reaping blessings because of my third grade teacher speaking words of life into me to this day. And you know what? My kids are reaping what Ms. Ennett put in me because words have life and they have legs and they'll run on long after I've spoken them. Now, some of you will say, you know what, Danny? I I like that. I like what you're saying, but man, that's just not me. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. Like a... I never, nobody modeled that for me. And, and, and so we'll, we'll excuse, our, excuse our way out of speaking words of life with vision, particularly with words of vision. But can, but can I just be honest with you? And I told you this is a little bit heavy. There's a cost to not saying words of life. Do, do you know what the danger is? Is that oftentimes unspoken words are the most crushing of all words. And some of you know exactly what I'm saying. What happens when you don't sow seeds? Like if you, if you take a field and you, and, and you furrow it and you get it ready for harvest and you don't sow seeds, guess what happens? Stuff still grows, but it's weeds. Weeds grow if you don't plant seeds. Weeds find a way that anything left untended will eventually be filled with something. And here's what I've seen throughout my, my, my adulthood is that people kids, students, teenagers, young people will go through all sorts of contortions trying to be blessed. 
trying to receive the blessing that they should have received from a mom or from a dad. They'll go through all sorts of contortions and they'll do stuff that they never dreamed that they would have done trying to belong, trying to fit in, trying to feel loved, trying to be blessed. So moms and dads, if this is all that you, if you've checked out in every other part, please pay attention to this one. Two phrases that you gotta say. You gotta say it. Number one, I love you. You gotta say it. You can't assume it. You can't assume that they understand it. You gotta say it. And the second phrase is you gotta say, and I'm proud of you. I love you and I'm proud of you. There's probably no more, two more important phrases that a kid can hear. And listen to me, they will go through all sorts of contortions trying to fill that hole of what of those seeds that were not planted in their life. I love you and I'm proud of you. And some of you have a hard time saying these words because of a dad that never said them to us. And so something that should have grown in you as a child is missing. And now you find it hard to say the very words that you craved so much and still do to some degree. But ask yourself, do, do I wanna deprive my kids do I want to deprive my spouse of the very thing that has created so much baggage for me in my life because my dad never said it? Why would anybody choose that? Unspoken words, they create legacy as well in a bad way. They have legs as well. So never doubt the power of life-giving words. You know, so many people curse in this life, in this world, but few bless. So many curse but few bless. Dads, let's be blessers. Amen, somebody. Can I pray for you, Lord? Thank you for the word of the Lord that's come to us. Thank you for the writings of Solomon about the potency of our words. We're wrapping up this series today, Lord, but I just pray that we would take these words that have been sown into our hearts today, that they would find good soil, good ground, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we'd be doers. And we wouldn't let the mistakes that we've made in the past. Maybe some of us have used our words in reckless ways and we've done harm. In that same place that we've done harm, we can use wisdom now to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And one word, one word like that can change destinies. One word can bring healing. In the place where we've created wounds, our words can be a medicine and create healing. So I pray over every man, over every dad, to have the courage and the strength to make the wrongs right to do the parts that they can do, but to make a commitment that from this day forward, not that I'm gonna be perfect because I'm not, but that when I blow it, I'll say sorry, that, I, that I'll make that commitment. When I blow it, I'll say sorry. That I'm gonna use my words as a tool and my words as medicine to build up, to help in the way that Paul says for their benefit, that they might be built up according to their needs, not mine that, Lord, that you would do a work in my heart, that if my heart is not right, that if my heart is broken, if my heart is hurting, that I'll seek out your help, that I'll seek out help from, from a counselor or a therapist or somebody, that I'll, that I'll ask the Holy Spirit to come live in me and dwell in me and, and give me the words that will
will speak life and help and hope. And I pray blessings over the dads. I pray that as they leave this place, they'd have fun times. They have a great day. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.